Hey guys, Adam here, your favorite Ghost Party Radio host. I just wanted to make a quick amendment. Unfortunately, at the end of this episode, Adriana plugged something that ended up timing out due to scheduling conflicts. So, instead, she would like to plug Warm Violet, a compilation for Chicago Community Jail support. It is an album available digitally on Bandcamp to purchase, with the proceeds going to support the volunteer-run Chicago Community Jail Support Group. It is a grassroots-funded abolitionist mutual aid project. Anyway, that's it. Enjoy the show. I will kill you when you are in the most pain. When you are in the most pain, shivering out of fear, then I will kill you. That's a real revenge. A real, complete revenge. Pretty good. Um, But uh, can you do it in Korean? Yeah, uh, Anyang Haseo to our Korean audience. Yay! Welcome everybody to Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small town cowards. I'm Trevor. And I'm Adam. And yabba dabba doo. That's our catchphrase this week at the top of the show. Um, we'll see if it sticks. Uh, otherwise, please, if you have an idea for a catchphrase, email us at ghostpartypictures at gmail.com. Thank you to Adam Cervantes Wagner for sending in that yabba dabba doo catchphrase. Right. I think, uh, you know, that one's been taken, but I think we can take it back. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's going to be the one that sticks. But if anybody has anything different, please email us at ghostpartypictures at gmail.com. What's going on, Adam? Uh, not too much. I'm excited to talk about some intense Korean revenge today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first genre on the wheel that came up was revenge. So, of course, we have to start in South Korea. My very first draft pick was I Saw the Devil. But before we get into the movie, I must introduce our guest, what I call the most friggin' twisted girl in Chicago, the friggin' Harley Quinn to my friggin' Jared Leto Joker. Also, she wanted me to say that she's also the horniest girl in Chicago. Please welcome my good friend since middle school, Ms. Adriana Skirto. Hey, Adriana. Hi. Thanks for having me. Adriana, right up top, why why did you want to be introduced as such? As the horniest girl in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true. It's probably not true, but um, yeah. We've all been there. Yeah, exactly. I think especially now more than ever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been saying that um, we don't say the P word on here, pandemic. We just call it the P word. But in your case, sometimes I'll get confused when you use the P word. Like pussy? Uh, uh, Adam, uh, go ahead and edit that out right, as well. Yeah. Let, let's get into the movie talk because this is already getting way, way off track, and I, I, I don't think we can handle it. Um, Adriano, as you know, you are on the Ghost Party Radio podcast, and all we talk about here is genre f- cinema. We don't talk about what you were just talking about. Um, do what you have that? a favorite? Okay, got it. Do you have a favorite genre of cinema? Yes, I think I do, and I would say that my favorite right now is kind of like the psychosexual thriller horror movie i'm kind of thinking of things about like covid like there is no pre-covid to me like i don't even remember that Mm -hmm. that world i don't remember what movies i liked like it's just it right now um it's all about like what i've watched in these past 10 months um so it really kind of just spoke to me um and when i watched it i was just like this is my religion this is my shit um i would say paul schrader's movies hardcore mm. probably is like my mm. favorite movie that i've seen the past 10 months um comfort of strangers um it's hard to like articulate why but i just like absolutely loved it i like i felt like at home while i was watching it um mm. and then of course Problematic King Brian De Palma. Uh, I was just I was just gonna say problematic King Brian De Palma. Yeah, um, I'm obsessed with Sisters. I watched but... Sisters during the P word as well. Uh, I I loved it my first time watching it. Um, I just love Margot Kidder so much, and when she started with that accent up top, I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, the Peeping Tom show um, in the beginning is is one of like the funniest, um, best things I, I've ever seen. Um, 
So, yeah. And then Dress to Kill is tough because it's, like, everything about that movie is my shit. Like, the way it looks, the sex stuff. But it's just so transphobic, um, like, egregiously transphobic that it's, like, I can't really stand it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still kind of, like, that's kind of the energy that I'm into. Um, And then... Of course, um, I've been I've dug deep into Cronenberg, The Brood, probably my another one of my favorites. Videodrome, I loved Shivers. Underseen. Yeah, yeah, um, but I loved it, um, and I loved Rabbit as well. Um, have you Have you seen Crash yet, Adriana? It is on my list, and I actually have the book um, by my bed to read as well yeah it's kind of like his most quote-unquote controversial movie because <laughs> it's like it's like people who get horny about car crashes right yeah yeah they they have and then yeah definitely they have like sex to the thought and at like car accidents and stuff like that yeah um so we'd like to dissect uh john ron here on this podcast what to you other than being directed by a david cronenberg or a problematic king like brian de palma makes for a good psych- psychosexual thriller I think like a deeply unhinged woman. Um, <laughs> and I feel like people look at these directors and these movies and see these like really insane and hysterical women characters and, you know, see that as kind of like misogynist. And I think, you know, probably all of these directors are misogynist. Um, I think The Brood is deeply misogynist like we know Cronenberg was going through a divorce it's like so obvious um, that he hates women in that moment but I think it's a choice for like when you're watching the movie like how you'd like to see it um and I see being crazy as deeply powerful and I think that like the female craziness or like you know what people see as like you know strictly I don't know um female tendencies and like hysteria I think is like you know one of our greatest powers over men in my opinion um and there's nothing better than going full batshit and then coming out the other side so I I love to see a crazy bitch um in these movies cool well I I mean before we move on to actually talking about the movie I do want to bring up the idea of uh problematic king Brian De Palma which I always say I know you say that as well but other than what he portrays on film, oftentimes voyeurism, uh, it's like, of course, like you mentioned, Dress to Kill is like extremely transphobic and stuff like that. Has Brian De Palma actually ever been like in trouble, like as a person? Not that I know of. I mean, I can look him up. Um, and see if he's been canceled, but I don't think so. Yeah, I watched that Noah Baumbach A24 um, Brian De Palma documentary, and he, like, would say stuff like, holy mackerel, and stuff all the time, and he, like, seemed so PG, and I thought that was so funny because his movies are so, like, really, really weird and kind of dark and stuff like that. Actually, we played Scarface at the drive-in last night, and um, I just, I love Brian De Palma so much. He's actually the first director I ever programmed at the theater as, as a director of the month. Uh, he took a back seat to uh, our second month was Paul Thomas Anderson, but I just love his movies. I know this is not a podcast about Brian De Palma, but we, I just love when you can feel a director directing. But speaking of feeling a director directing, let's get into our movie this week. Uh, this is I Saw the Devil. Um, Adam, Adriana, do you have any history with this film? None. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and one of our hosts, Trevor, who recommended I watch um, for the pod and I understand why it was recommended to me based on my interest but I had um, zero trigger warnings going into um, the movie so I was definitely um, very shocked <laughs> right uh, same here and I, as I was watching it, I was like holy moly this is uh, gonna be a tough one to recommend afterwards I saw this movie when I was 19 and I thought it was just like the friggin coolest most twisted movie of all time and now having rewatched it like 10 years later i'm like ooh, okay i spent my first draft pick on this movie right yeah i would also have thought that was the coolest movie at 19 years old that makes a lot of sense uh okay Um, let's get into it i saw the devil is uh, as a as IMDb would say is about a secret agent who exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases um, we're going to go to some letterbox reviews real quick. I usually start with my friends on letterbox. So D says, 
that is username D. Pretty sleazy gore revenge movie that by halfway point turns into an NC-17 episode of Tom and Jerry. <laughs> it's very much that's so. That's my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I follow him on Letterboxd. That's, that's who I watched it with. Uh, yes. Uh, I think I think that's extremely accurate that it yeah. turns into like an unrated episode of Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Adam Cook says, I know this film has a lot of admirers, but for me, this is Kim Ji-Woon's worst film to date. It isn't a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. It looks great. Well, as great as a film of this can look. It is very brutal, and the performances are decent. Ouch. But these elements just weren't enough for me. Unfortunately, the big problem is that it felt so utterly empty. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I actually have some bones to pick with this movie as we go forward, but... um... Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't as into it either. I felt like it did hit pretty empty. Yeah, I had a feeling that you guys were going to be on this side, but I'm with Invincible Asia. Invincible Asia says, A piano sonata of revenge that, with each note, breaks a bone, peels back your skin, slits a tendon, and punches you and kicks your heart, and stops exactly a split second before it would knock you unconscious, only to build up again and leave you even more devastated the next time around. Oh man, I want to slit something after reading that review. <laughs> yeah, of course, this movie had such a trademark uh, Achilles tendon slit. That's Oof. such a, a, a always kills in movies. Yeah, that was. Tough. I rarely have to cover my eyes, but that was fucked. Same here. That was fucked. Okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to ask you guys each a question right now that I didn't tell you about before. Um, and then we'll talk about new Korean cinema, essentially the rise of auteurs, Park Chan-wook, Lee Chang-dung, Bong Joon-ho, of course. If you mm-hmm. don't have anything really to add to this, that's totally fine. I'll just go over what they think about stuff like that. Um, we'll talk about Kim Ji-woon, the director of this film, and his uh, filmography a little bit. We'll talk about um, basically the performances in the movie. Um, we'll talk about um, standout sequences. There you go. We'll then, then basically we'll kind of break it down by stuff we like, stuff we didn't. We'll talk about basically at the end how the good guy is actually bad. He's an anti-hero um, and stuff like that and how this has the trope of every cop and criminal are the same and violence begets violence, blah, 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 blah. And then we're going to rate this some bitch. Before we go any further, I want to ask you guys a couple questions that I have suited exactly to you. I'll ask them both at the same time to give you some time to think about it. But Adriana, how do you feel generally about The Devil? And Adam, this movie had subtitles. Were you okay? Um, Yeah, I believe that The Devil is real. um, And I believe that my enemies will be punished. um, And they will meet The Devil uh, so that I don't have to punish them myself. Great. And Adam? Uh, yeah, well, film is a visual language, so I never really learned how to read anyway. And I, I noticed at the top of the show that you are completely fluent in Korean. That's also true. Young Haseo to our uh, gracious Korean listeners. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so before we actually really, really dig into this movie, which we definitely are because this is a very serious podcast about talking about movies, a lot of people know about new Korean cinema as the rise of auteurs, uh, in that country, uh, such as Park Chan-wook, who we, we've we discussed in the past. We will be discussing in this series, of course, with The Handmaiden. His uh, trilogy of Vengeance is super, super popular. Old Boy, uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Uh, you have Lee Chang-dong, who I know you're a fan of, Adam, with uh, his movie Burning a couple years ago. Caught some traction here in the States. Right. I actually got to see him uh, do a Q&A in person with a double feature of Burning and Secret Sunshine. Where, where was that at? Uh, it was at the Arrow. Ooh, I love the era. I've only been there once, but I absolutely love it. I went to see a Jean-Luc Godard double feature. But uh, anyway, sorry. So Lee Chung-dang, of course, and uh, our beloved Bong Joon-ho, who of course Yay! made it. Yeah, King Bong Joon-ho, um, who is obviously an all-around fantastic filmmaker. Um, Bong Joon-ho specifically, and a lot of these guys growing up, watched John Carpenter. We've already discussed Brian De Palma, Sam Peckinpah, Alfred Hitchcock. So they grew up on the Western influence of a lot of these male directors. Um, Yes, romantic comedies and dramas obviously exist in South Korea, but of course, but they do revenge better than anyone. Uh, Anybody who watches movies knows this. Um, Does anyone have any ideas of why that might be? I know, Adam, we used to talk about doing a podcast called Palm Diorks, and we'll always talk about that on this show as being a dead idea. But we noticed a lot of the movies that win the Palm Diors, um, a lot of them, especially from the 40s going onwards, were basically, even up until now, just reactions to World War II or World War I. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, the revenge stuff in new Korean cinema, uh, which I believe is classified from 1999 to now, essentially when Park Chan-wook mm-hmm. made um, um, Joint Security Area onward, 
Um, it's just basically the Japanese occupation of Korea, the Korean yeah. War. But I think that the main thing that new Korean cinema is railing against and why you see so much violence and so much of this stuff in this movie, especially this one, is uh, the censorship that they had in their film industry for so long. I, I think essentially yeah. when that was lifted and the new um, Korean age came in of film there, it was basically like, we're going to make these really, really violent movies. What do you guys think of when you think of South Korean film? And I grew up with watching Oldsboy over and over. So it's kind of always been associated with revenge tales and intensity for me. Um, but I think, you know, it's great because you follow Bong Joon-ho, who doesn't really touch on revenge that often. You can kind of make a case for memories of a murder, but who's become sort of an international superstar now. Yeah, Bong Joon-ho, I mean, like, Parasite could be seen as, like, um, the the rising up against the, the rich class, and, and it's not really revenge, but there ha there's revenge elements to it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're right, he hasn't really gone into that subgenre of revenge or anything, but you know who has? Kim Ji-woon, the director of this film, of course, mm -hmm. uh, the director behind A Tale of Two Sisters, if any of y'all have seen that, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which I rented on Redbox one time and absolutely loved. The weird. And the Oh, I'm sorry. I wrote the <laughs> yes, the good, the bad, and the weird. Of course, he did not. He's not seriously Leone. <laughs> um, and then a bittersweet life. Um, this is almost worse than last week when I called Lim Ramsey Lynn Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he also directed a newer film called A Bittersweet Life uh, that came out in the 2010s as well. That is uh, a revenge film. Uh, we didn't pick, of course. Adam mentioned Old Boy from Park Chan Wook. We didn't pick a Bittersweet Life. We basically were picking for this draft for this series movies that were easily accessible. Um, he did try to make a crossover to American films with a movie called The Last Stand. Has anyone heard of this movie? I haven't seen any of these movies, just heads up. Um, yeah, well, The Last Stand is an American film uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Basically, after he was done being the governor, he went back to make a movie, and he picked Kim Ji-woon to direct this, like, weird new Western. Uh, and the reason why he picked him to direct it is because he loved I Saw the Devil so much, which I thought was really weird, weird and interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, Adriana, could you please give us your best Arnold impression? No. Go ahead, please. N no, I'm not doing impressions. All right, Adam, show her up. I'm Arnold. <laughs> that, oh. That's good. Yeah, that was really, really good. Thanks. Well, I'm kind Speaking of, ger of good... German, so... Speaking of good performances, I know you guys talked about what you thought about this movie a little bit, but I think if someone were to like this movie... I, it would come down to the two lead performances from Lee Byung-hun and uh, Choi Min-sik. The old boy himself is in this as the villain. What did you think of and his performance as the villain? I think, like, when I watch horror movies, when I watch, you know, slashers of the villain or whatever, um, I still can find, like, a, like humanity in these people, regardless of, like, the completely inhuman things they're doing to people or to other people. Um, and this character is, like, maybe one of the first times that, that I just have, like, I, I get nothing. It, um, like, it's just, like, pure evil, and I can't sympathize at all. Um, so I think he does a great job, but um, I'm not sure I, I enjoy watching that kind of character, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's interesting, because that's what I was kind of hoping for from him, because he is supposed to, supposed to be sort of the embodiment of the devil, right, of no humanity. Yeah, yeah. But... But I didn't. For some reason, I couldn't remove myself because I guess I know him, his face so well, you know, that I, I think it was hard for me to, like, see him as someone who wasn't acting. It was still somewhat there. Yeah, and I, 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 Arjuna just touched on something interesting that I had written down, but this movie is so absurdly violent, and we'll get into the tone of yeah. this film and other South Korean films, but did you find it to be humanist at all? A lot of times we see the South Korean movies, and by the time we get to the end of this one, of course, we have... Uh, the, the extremely handsome Lee Byung-hun uh, crying oh, at the God. end as, as the camera pulls away from him. Did you? What did you feel in that moment? Did you feel this movie? That that was my big thing um, on this movie the second time around is uh, I didn't I didn't really feel for either of them. I felt like he was no. almost too much of an anti-hero by the time the, the credits rolled. Yeah, I mean that was the main issue that I had is that I was no I, I really wasn't like sympathizing with anyone. I, I um. It was just, like, such a masculine energy of needing to get revenge and not really caring about, um, you know, the people who die um, in the wake of that. I, I think it, it's just, like, dumb behavior. <laughs> it reminds me of this. I was at a Ikea on Saturday, and these guys were 
um, getting in a fight in line um, because one guy called the other guy like homeboy. Um, yeah, Adam and I want to apologize about that, by the way. Yeah, it escalated to like, you know, yelling in this dude's face. And I was like, dude, like, this is so embarrassing. Like, move along. Like, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> um, and, and it's like that kind of energy of like being set off by something that you like do not give a fuck about like how, like anything but making sure this person knows that they like did something to wrong you mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Right. Real homeboy Behavior. energy. Yeah. Real homeboy energy. And, um, you know, I have some of that myself. Uh, as an Italian American woman, speak on. Um, I mean, I definitely have a history of being quite reactive, and um, <laughs> you know, if I feel disrespected in a, even a slight way, um, so so I, I get it. But um, I yeah, this was just taken to an extreme that I was just kind of like, okay, like you know, when is this gonna when is this gonna end and it doesn't help that it's a two and a half hour movie. Right. Um, but, but again, like, you know, I really enjoy some parts of it in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm still there also. I mean, I, I felt Zilcho at the end of this movie. I didn't care that he was crying. Yeah. Um, I think that was a kind of a flaw and still, I'm going to get to this very specific problem that I had with this movie. Um, that I, I think shows that it lacks in humanity shows that it tried to kind of touch on that, but it just, it didn't understand where to find it, I think. But do you, I mean, uh, Bong Joon-ho has been quoted as saying that all Korean films are, like, extreme in one way or another. Like, Adriana, when you saw that fight going down in the Ikea, I'm just going to kind of go make a one-to-one to Korean films. Like, <laughs> you say you lose your anger or something sometimes, but, like, would you ever, like, hammer somebody in the balls, like, with, like, the backside of a hammer? Like, that's what a Korean film would do. I screamed at that part. But that, you know, that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. Okay, Um, okay, of course. Uh And it's really not because of the ball hammering, but just that, like, the visuals of that scene mean a lot to me. Um, (laughs) The porn that he's watching, so that's the most graphic porn I've ever seen in, like, a movie, Mm -hmm. um, which I loved. Um, And it was, like, you know, a pretty normal, like, two men, one woman. My friend who I was watching it with, um, D um, was a little bit upset that the one guy and you can edit this part out. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. I want, I want, I want to go. I want to just do not edit this out, Adam. But I want to put a marker down that Adriana described normal porn as two guys, one girl. Um, well, you know what I mean. It wasn't anything like super, like you know, gross or problematic or like um, right. Just a you know, family friendly spit roast. Yeah, and it, the thing is, it wasn't a spit. Well, I you know. Here's the thing. D was a little bit upset that the one guy was just getting and the other guy was full on. And I was like, you know, anyone can. But to be able to be someone who doesn't have to really perform much and can just get and like kind of just kind of like chilling, watching. I was like, that's actually the most desirable uh, role, in my opinion. It wasn't just the porn that meant a lot to me. and just how graphic it was. It was this, did anyone see the state of this person's room? Hmm. Like I wanted to rewind pause on when you see kind of when it like zooms out and you see like his, like where he's jacking off in yeah. the room in which he is jacking off in. Um, I would just like pause that. And you know how people like go to museums, they just like sit on a bench and just like stare at art for a while. <laughs> right. Um, that's what I want to do to like that. Uh, scene. Yeah, it, it, that scene is really interesting to me because of what you said. It's like at, just a graphic pornography is on the TV. We know how violent the movie has been. Like this movie had to be recut in Korea. Like it almost got an unrated in Korea. Like that's how violent this movie is. I don't think anyone who's really listening to this podcast hasn't watched it. But if we're, uh, that's the way we're going to sell this movie to somebody is literally being like, this movie had to be recut in Korea. The idea of that room because... Um... I think this guy is supposed to be kind of considered in the audience size as maybe a psychopath, but he's like just doing a regular Saturday night, you know, fun time. The only crazy thing is that I guess he has too much stuff in his room. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an understatement. I mean, it's it's like littered with just like trash and water bottles. Like, I don't think you'd be able to like walk on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so like to, to be living that way is um, 
inspiring to see <laughs> on screen. You said in, I thought you were going to say insane, and you said inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've gotten a little off. I mean, we're talking about the movie, so we're not off track, of course. But the two performances, did we like them? Did we? I mean, let, you guys have agreed that they didn't work. I actually agree with you, too. When the movie ended, I didn't really feel much for uh, Lee Byung-hun's character. But the performances themselves are pretty good, right? Watching him physically and mentally extract revenge over and over again does get a little tedious by the time the two-hour mark hits, mm-hmm. or even, I mean, even before that. But I, I think that the performances are what carry this. I mean, of course, um, the direction is fantastic. Like, Kim Ji-woon is a great director. Could mm-hmm. you imagine watching this movie if it had, like, mediocre direction? No. Yeah, that's um, just a, that's just a I, snuff film at that point. I, I don't know the main actor's name. You just said it. Yeah, um, yeah Lee Byung-hun. Lee Byung Hun, um, I was distracted by how hot he is right. a lot of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that was a little bit of a problem. Yeah. He became kind of a, he would pop up in like a G.I. Joe retaliation in the States and like kind of the last stand and stuff like that as just like being this gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh, uh, yeah. he was in the Magnificent Seven remake, this gorgeous, mm-hmm. like silent killer. Beautiful man. Beautiful yeah, man. yeah, extremely good looking. Right. I mean, that that's kind of tough though because. I think he did pretty well in his role, but also his role was a lot of the times just stoic, you know, trying to hide behind his eyes kind of thing. Yeah, and, and, and it's just, it, we have to speak to how much of an anti-hero he is. Like, he just continually is letting uh, uh, the old boy go. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And, like, he's just going and killing more people, and it's like, this is not okay. Like, you now, now yeah. we're like, bodies are stacking up. So mm-hmm. I get what you guys mean by the end. Uh, how you didn't really feel anything. I, I mentioned that, like, the trope of this movie is that every cop or whatever he was considered and every criminal are really the same at the end of the mm-hmm. day, and that violence begets violence. And mm-hmm. um, I'm bummed you guys didn't like it more than you did, but um, I did. Did, I did like it. I did like it. It was too long. Yeah, it, it goes on for a little bit too long, but it's it's pretty friggin' twisted, huh? Yeah. Um. I. Well. You talk about him crying at the end, um, but I like in the very beginning he like sings a love song to his wife when he's like mm. on duty doing whatever right. his like secret you know secret agent work, um, and I thought that was really lovely. You know he really loved her, <laughs> so there's there's a human in there. Right, and actually I like that you brought that up because um, a testament to the directing here. There's a lot of vision in sort of the the setup of these shots. And I really like that shot where we kind of follow him very close up through the room. We're kind of getting his story in the background of the room and everything, you know. It's a long take, but I think it really works. It got me excited for the movie. Yeah, I mean, the movie is just awesomely made. Again, if this was in the hands of a not-great director, it would just be insane to watch. But let's launch that into uh, what were the standout sequences, if you could pick one or two that you really liked. I'll start um of course the taxi scene with the bandits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i i remembered that one having not seen the movie in 10 years where he gets in the car and what i didn't remember is that we're with the villain we are with the villain of the story and somehow just like with the rest of the movie i i guess are we we're, are we supposed to root for that character while he kills these bandits like are we supposed to be like oh boy at least he didn't get robbed you know <laughs> No, I see the way he kills the taxi driver. Um, another moment where I felt shock. <laughs> I felt sad, yeah, for the two of those guys. Yeah, totally. And I felt, <laughs> those and poor I guys. felt angry. I felt angry. I th- I feel like Trevor. This was the first time he let him go. Actually, yeah. Um, it was when he was gonna R-word that um, schoolgirl. Um, right, right. Which I felt I felt went on a little bit longer than was comfy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, I, that was the first time that I felt, like, annoyed with our, you know, anti-hero. Of, like, you you let this happen because yeah. of your ego. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid. Yeah, it could it could have been the first time because, it's just, yeah, it's just egregious. Like, him even letting go, letting him go one time is not okay. And also, while he's, uh, the R word is going on, he's there. He knows what's happening. And he's, like, just waiting. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, what are you I waiting hated for? that. Right. Well, I really hated that. Yeah. Yeah, and that happens again. We see that happen again. This, yeah. When he lets him in go. the hospital, yeah, right, right before yeah, he gets him the second insane. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the taxi scene is awesome. I think it's what a lot, a lot of people talk about in this movie. The way he shoots the stabbing, how it just kind of does that three sixty. And I have no idea yeah. how they shot that because the camera is not in the car. That's impossible. Right. So it must have been outside or it must have been on a soundstage. Um. I think my other favorite scene uh is probably and I I it's it kind of sums up how I feel about 
the Korean film a lot of time being extreme and jumping from different feelings and emotions within a scene is when they find the head in the river mm-hmm. of the wife. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's like how it's handled is almost like comedy and really mm-hmm. really like like ah oh, like you yeah. know like like, like throwing mm-hmm. the head around and then it's like. Lee Byung Hung runs in there and it gets all emotional and it's like sad. And I'm just like, what an odd swinging of the pendulum this scene was. Mm-hmm. But it kind of like lets you know right up front, like we have no idea emotionally what we're supposed to expect from this movie. So that really got me like I was really like into that scene up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember laughing with like when it was just like all those cops just like all running to the you know water. Um, it was just funny, like how many dudes there were. And there's about like a million reporters by the river. I don't know if that's like a damnation on the Korean media or what, but um, that's the problem with a lot of times when I watch uh, foreign films is I don't I, – sometimes I can't track the metaphors because like I don't live in Korea. But if I had to guess that many reporters being there, capturing that, it felt very uh, Gone Girl to me, you know, like yeah. what, what the parts in Gone Girl when Ben Affleck would be doing the speeches mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that the tone is kind of confusing a little bit there because, yeah, Pretty Boy runs down the hill and starts crying. And then one of the police officers like fumbles the head and it rolls out of the box so that he could perfectly see it. I thought that was ridiculous. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Let's set up the rest of this movie. Going forward, uh, old boy and pretty boy are the name of the good yeah. guy and the bad guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adam, did you have any uh, standout scenes that you liked? Mm-hmm. A lot of it. There's so much awful stuff in this movie, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah, It's yeah. hard to be like, oh, this is the fun part. What I did like well, overall, I-, I guess maybe this might be my favorite scene, is when um, pretty boy does confront old boy for the first time. I like that he's fast and he's willing to fight and he can handle old boy, you know, no problem. Because normally in another movie like this, in a revenge movie, this fight would happen and then cliche, the villain would win and the main protagonist would have to go and like learn how to fight or whatever. But this guy brought it and that was great to see. Yeah, and that's that's where the beginning of the gratuitousness of the film starts. Is like he just dominates him from frame one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just like th- that's what I think you guys are having the problem with the movie. And I did it a little bit. Is that once we see him dominate him once, it's almost like that's the great catharsis of the movie. Right. So to drag out this catharsis mm-hmm. so long, I, I think that truly is the point of the movie, though. Mm-hmm. I thought of my other favorite scene. Okay, what um, was it? I really like when they're in that um, huge. Uh, mansion that they've I think they've obviously like broken in and taken um, or like killed the people who live there Um, and I liked meeting his like serial killer friends Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that was so that was so so bizarre Um, almost like it didn't even fit in the movie Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just like their dinner when they're eating human flesh is just like it's fun it kind of feels like a little like Texas chainsaw energy Yeah, the movie like veered into horror every once in a while, which I really like, of course. Right. And it's, it it felt like a necessary pivot in a lot of ways, too, because the last, this is what, like the third time he's let him go now. The last two times he lets him go, and then something awful happens, and we start hating the anti hero even more. And so now finally, he let the old boy gets let go, but now he gets let go, and he's among thieves, you know, he's with other villains. And so now we can start to sympathize again with the protagonist of this movie. Um, and my least favorite scene is when he's digging through his explosive diarrhea to oh, get the tracker. Yeah. And um, it was not this okay movie, with This me. movie's got it all, baby. Yeah. It was not okay with me. Ridiculous. Um, I, I just love at the end when he tries to turn himself into the cops to, to get away from Pretty Boy's wrath. Yeah. And Pretty Boy just steals him right in front of the cops and just like, yes. That like, was that, sweet. Like, okay, yeah. I think I was I think I was asleep for that. that that's probably my favorite scene, actually. That was so cool. He knew exactly what to do. He rips the door off the car. Yeah, it's really nice in a movie like this that drags on for so long to be like, oh, there's a really cool part towards the end that made me feel for this uh, not equally terrible human being, but also terrible human being. Like, it's just weird to like have to like root for that character. I feel like right, a suspension of disbelief there though, because I mean, he grabs him, he grabs old boy holding a knife. And I guess we just suppose that he's holding him against his lap as he drives miles out of the city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How did you... I mean, I, I will say that I, I I didn't necessarily, like, want him to die at the end. Like, I was, like, rooting for him to get out of it, mm-hmm. even though I knew he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that might just be, like, me. I, you know, I don't love when people die. Like, I'm never going to, like, really celebrate it. 
even with this character who I like really feel nothing for, I was like, I, you know, I don't want this person to get their head chopped off in front of their kid. I thought you were twisted. I didn't ask for that title, first of all. Wait, what the heck? I brought you on this episode because you said you were friggin' twisted. I never said that. Um, I think some people may think I am, and maybe I am, but I do I do deeply care about the sanctity of human life, and I rarely, like, root for someone to be killed. Hmm. Um, there's definitely people who like, they die, they die, um, and I think this is that kind of person. But when I'm, like, watching someone just, like, fight for their life knowing that they're going to die, hmm. um, that's my least favorite feeling. I, I think I was a little bit on the opposite end where I was like, why don't you like start cutting off limbs here, you know, take out his eyeballs or whatever, make him feel powerless, you know, if you're just going to like threaten him over and over, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, the ending was interesting. I think it was like the ultimate thing to be like, and then his family's going to cut his head off inadvertently. Um, but I, I don't see, once you have to top yourself so many times, it just becomes a thing of like, yeah, his his grandma's going to show up and they're going to cut his head or whatever it was. I don't know. <laughs> right. She brought him cookies and he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to we're gonna move on to our final segment. We're going to rate this Wait, song, wait. Bitch, I got to talk the about way. the big problem I got with this movie. Oh, okay. go ahead. This is, uh, I mean, first of all, one of the one beat that I do not like is like this uh, unlucky beat where they're in the hospital, right? Old boy and pretty boy are recovering next to each other. And then pretty boy's friend is like, hey, how'd the tracking device go? Oh, don't worry. He can't hear you. He's asleep. But duh, of course he's going to be awake because that oh, yeah. has to happen for the movie. I, I hate beats like that, you know? Yeah, and sometimes in movies like this, may, maybe the translation may have been a little bit off. Sometimes I feel like when stuff is so on the nose in an otherwise really well-made movie, I'm like, was the translation off on that scene? But yeah, that was very, very on the nose. And then, you know, moving forward, um, I hate that, that, okay, so after he finds out that there's a tracking device inside him he call he, or he starts talking to the guy through his body right and that's when he tells pretty boy that his wife was pregnant that she revealed that so now we assume pretty boy you know has more reason for vengeance than ever right he probably is more angry than ever however for the first time pretty boy stops to help someone that old boy hurt well, old boy is getting away, you know, I don't know why I, I can't fathom why he decides to now when he's angrier than ever to go and do that. Let, let old boy get away. Yeah, like the, the, the reach for making complex characters in this movie was really weird, especially like the second R word scene when the, the nurse, he's mm -hmm. like, no, you need to stick around. You need to heal him. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, go find another nurse. Yeah, so weird. Anyways, uh, any other gripes, any other final thoughts on this before we rate it? I think that's pretty much it. Uh, actually, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm kind of in the same camp with Adriana here. I liked it, but it was too long. And uh, a lot of the times these story beats felt a lot like a high schooler being like, wouldn't it be awesome if like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 like, like we just mentioned, it all kind of is summarized in that last moment where like his parents walk in and guillotine him on accident. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just like, what an ultimate ending. Right. But then, But then we cut to the street with pretty boy and he has this like kind of beautiful it's a beautiful pulling away shot that last shot and it's just like this thing where and we all kind of all three of us agree it just didn't work for us because we were like kind of fuck this dude like <laughs> at the end of the day like but i think that's the it's like the almost like the horrors of war like absolutely no one won in this situation right and if you're listening to this podcast highly recommend checking out burning Yes, Burning is a fantastic, fantastic South That, that last shot reminded me so much of Burning, and I, I was like, man, yes. I wish I was watching Burning. Yes, and it was blue and everything. Um, okay, so let's rate this some bitch. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention that Adriana uh, is twisted, and she did dress as Harley Quinn for <laughs> Halloween this year. So no, um, I, I, I do want to say uh, we have a very elaborate and Byzantine system to categorize these revenge films on Adriana if you don't know what we did in the first episode of this podcast is we thought of categories which would make a good revenge film so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go through these five categories and a bonus category and we're going to rate them uh one to ten and we'll start with you each time Adriana category one Adriana how fucked over is the good guy in this movie a aka in a revenge movies a lot of times in the beginning we see a character who's like left for dead and they okay. have to take revenge on a gang that's left them there uh, and in the case of this movie of course uh, the good guy uh quote unquote just has his wife who ends up being mm -hmm. uh, was pregnant uh murdered so how would you say in the beginning of this movie setting up the stakes for the film how fucked over is our protagonist 
one to ten. One to ten. So like I'm when I'm thinking of fucked over, I'm thinking of you know one of my favorites, Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. Like she's fucked over. She's a ten, right? Like you can't get much more fucked over than that. Mm -hmm. Um, so like compared to that, I mean, it sucks to lose your wife, um, but you can get a new wife. Um, and so I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seven. Okay. Yeah. I. Yeah. He. He could have gone to IKEA, found a new wife. Yeah. Avoided the whole thing. Well, and also his kid wasn't born yet, so that's sad. You know, the potential there is sad. But again, you can get remarried. You can have, you know, another child. Mm-hmm. Um, I. F- I feel you on this one. I'm. I'm also feeling a, a strong seven on this one. I think that's a perfect score, Adam. What do you? Yeah, think? I'm gonna have to agree. It's. Uh. You know, it isn't quite the bride. But it's still pretty hardcore. I think you, you feel bad for him, but it's not, you know, it's not extreme. Absolutely. Okay, Adriana, one to ten, category number two. How high are the stakes slash how heavy is the justice at the end of the film? How do you feel, how heavy does it feel to you uh, that, you know, did, did Pretty Boy get the revenge that he sought after? When it comes down to it, he really punished um, Old Boy's family more than... you know what i mean Um, yeah yeah bingo and yeah i guess like having your wife killed by someone else and not having to witness it versus like accidentally decapitating your father or your son right um yeah he got got so i (laughs) guess like i guess like i don't know 10 (laughs) oh wow this is a perfect 10 for you i don't know Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think in these movies, in revenge movies, we're going to see the cycle of violence, you know, that exists because I think that sort of goes hand in hand with revenge. And I like that this movie did touch on that at the end where this might be a new cycle. This might be continuing the violence. Mm. So what would you give it one through ten? I'll give it uh, I'll give it a nine. Why not? A nine. Okay. Um, yeah, the the justice is pretty heavy in this movie. It's basically what the entire movie is about. Um, I'm I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh, I didn't feel like the justice at the very end of the day really paid off too much, and we'll get to that in our uh, in our fourth category. But Adriana, category number three, is there a conversation before the storm in this film? This is a trope in revenge movies where before the final revenge takes place, the protagonist is often um, talked out of it or tried to be talked out of it uh, by a character who says like are you really ready for this can you really handle getting revenge uh did you notice any conversations before the storm happening at all throughout this film not really i don't think there was anything that i don't think there was anything that was gonna um really change his mind well there was i guess the sister the the sister-in-law when she found out Mm -hmm. she was like you need to stop like she's not coming back and i was like finally you know that you know, feminine voice of reason, mm-hmm. um, being like, dude, she's like, whatever you do, like it's, you know, she's gone. Right. Um, and uh, he didn't care. Yeah. So I think there I was would a little bit exactly to that conversation, and, and I think there's a few other conversations as we move forward about the cops. Like, you see what you're doing? You're, you're going to get him mixed up in this or whatever, you know. So what would you give it, Adam? Uh, as, as, since that the conversation with the sister is the biggest one mm-hmm. and it was okay i think it was trying to show the humanity but it wasn't really there i'd give it a six okay six i'm gonna give it a four i didn't think that was enough i the, for the trope the trope he really isn't try. no one tries talking him out of it he's pretty he's pretty headstrong throughout it like i'm gonna just fuck with this dude for for like days on end so i'm giving it a mm-hmm. six uh Adriana, or I'm, I'm giving it a four up i'm sorry uh, Ajana, what do you think? One to ten. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't think it hit that trope well enough. I think yeah. he was a little too he- uh, headstrong throughout. Uh, category number four, Ajana, one through ten. How strong is the closure to the story? I feel like you know we've talked about it a bunch, um, but I think like him like bursting into tears is meaningful in the way that he's like releasing, um, like you know whatever. It's so corny, but he's like releasing these like pent-up emotions that he hasn't let himself feel at all he's been so focused on revenge that he has not had time to like feel his grief about losing his wife and um child Mm -hmm. um so i feel like that represents i I think that represents something or at least like closure 
as well as like a beginning to the process of like grief and dealing with your feelings um i guess i'll give it an eight okay um yeah i think i mean i agree with that i think there is closure in that sense but i also think it wasn't until the last act that i got the most frustrated with with how things were going and i still you know i guess i am a vengeful guy but i still would have liked to have seen old boys suffer Mm-hmm. you know more um so I'm, I'm gonna give it a six also uh um well, Ajana, you gave it an eight correct yeah I, i'm i'm gonna give it a six um i know we had been talking about how we didn't find the closing scene to be really all that effective but they tried uh beautiful shot good performance uh something's going on there in that last scene so i'll give it a six Okay, and last category, category number five. How cool or clever are the weapons or means of revenge in this movie? Uh, for example, like there's at least two handmade guillotines in this movie. Right, I'd say a family-powered guillotine. <laughs> there's a lot, a, cool there's a lot of knives. There's a lot of... Right. There was a blow gu- uh, gun, I think, at one point, right? Okay. Tracking device. Cool. I mean, I think... like. I- the guillotine this was the second time i saw it mm-hmm. and i saw it twice used twice in the movie so it's like <laughs> couldn't you have used something we hadn't seen right but Chekhov's guillotine but this movie has uh the added bonus of like two hours two hours of him using weapons and stuff <laughs> like that against this guy so i think it's i think it's a quantity thing I'm, I'm giving it a strong eight yeah quantity but what is the coolest weapon here uh it's it's definitely the handmade guillotine right Right, and I love that it's it's his family that has to that are the batteries to these things. I love that you love it and I hate it. <laughs> um, Duality. Yeah, there we go. That's what this podcast is all about, and I'm going to give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Um, I like am not feeling passionate um, about this, so I think that that means that I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Like, there's nothing that really like. Yeah, I'm not even like remembering a lot of the weapons no. outside of like the knives and the guillotine. And our bonus revenge category: How cool, how rememberable is the final showdown location? It was like a random warehouse, right? Yeah, your kind of says it all. Yeah, like yeah. Again, I don't feel anything right now. Um, so I guess I'll give it like a four. Oh, okay. That's a good amount of bonus points. I'm sure the movie will take that four. Adam, it was kind of just like a, it, when, when, uh, pretty boy was walking down the street, it looked like it was kind of like a, a shed or something like up on the hill. Well, that's his house, right? That's old boy's house. Oh, oh is that no. what it was? Oh boy. Oh, well maybe then I, maybe I should change my, oh, was that, is that like the same place that he, he kills and tortures women? Yeah. That's a, I thought it was the same guillotine too. Oh, I think you might be right, actually. Oh, my God. Everything just came... First of all, we were Because it was like, why else would his family be there? Right. Oh, man. This all came <sighs> into view so quickly. And we're such a diss on his house for me to say, like, a, a, a weird shack up on the hill. <laughs> it, was a fu- it was a fucked up place, right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, then maybe I should change... I mean, just bringing it back to his house um, is pretty, pretty twisted, I might have to say. <laughs> hey. Um, Maybe I'll give it a six. Okay. Yeah. Adam? Yeah. I think I'd give it a six also just for the sole purpose of it's cool that he brought it back. You know, it's a pretty ugly place, but, but you know, I like that full circle. Guys, speaking of full circle, I'm giving it a six, which gives it a <laughs> six, six, six. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the devil. By the way, there's a scene where he's drinking a coffee cup in the movie and inscribed on the coffee cup is six, six, six. I um I heard that in the uh, IMDb. This, uh, yeah, this movie is not is not subtle. That's for sure. No. Okay, Adriana. It looks like I'm adding up the totals here. You've given the film a 39. Pretty good. Not too bad. Adam, you've given it okay. a 44. And mm-hmm. I have given it a 39. So Adam, it seems as if you have really liked this movie compared to Adriana and I. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was clear the whole time that I liked it the most. Yeah. I, what I really like about this, like, kind of arbitrary rating system on these movies is, like, we can really hate the movies, but if it fits into the five categories well, it'll score really high, which I really, right. really like. Which I think it did. I think uh, I think it had a lot of cool weapons. So, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, real quick, let me add these up. So 39 plus 44 plus 39 equals this movie is starting this series off with a 122 score. And I heard that you have a Lebertoxed. I do. So if you'd like to follow me on, how do you say it? Lebertoxed. Uh-huh. Um, you can follow me at a skirto, A-S-C-U-R-T-O. Um, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram um, to see what I look like, at no veggies. <laughs> I don't eat vegetables, and that's a huge part of my personality. Nice. Although I am I am eating more and more vegetables um, as I get older. So, but yeah. That is twisted. Still, still it is. It, it's probably, it is the most fucked up part about my psyche is No wonder you now. liked that cannibal scene so much. Um, Adam, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Uh, follow me on Projector Fuel and Instagram. It's like a letterboxed, but uh, not quite. Okay, and I have a Lebertoxed as well, at Captain Dills, where I have a list called Ghost Party Radio, where I keep track of all the movies we're going to be talking about on this podcast. My personal Instagram is at Trevor Dills, as well as Twitter, at Trevor Dills. And always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all socials. You can always send in any love or hate mail to ghostpartypictures at gmail.com. Do we have any listener reviews to read this week, Adam? Uh, I think you read them at the top of the uh, show. The listener review. No, <laughs> sorry. I'll ask again. Sorry. It's going to be uh, listener. Like at the end of the show, we'll read like a listener review eventually that they'll send in, you know? Uh, here, I'll make, let me try my answer again. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, we uh, haven't really opened that up to the public yet. But if you want to leave us a review, uh, please do on iTunes or Spotify. Adam's better at plugging this stuff. Uh, yeah, please write into that email that you heard at the top of the show also, or hit us up on Instagram at uh, Ghost Party Picks. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Love to hear about this movie, about other revenge movies that you like, and about uh, how these things fit into the categories. Yeah, and Adam will read the reviews live on the air in his famous Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Adriana, thank you so much for joining us on what's going to probably be the first episode that we uh, we release. And like you said, the people, they'll be able to tell. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be the guinea pig here. All right. Well, that was properly twisted. Again, thank you to our guest, uh, Italian X, uh, <laughs> H-word H girl stuck in the P-word pandemic. Hashtag no veggies. Uh, yes. It, it, it is really sad to get to the end of the episode. Oh my gosh. I thought most... that H-word, even though it doesn't start with an H, you were called, was whore. <laughs> no, no. I said that you uh, are H word in the middle of the P word, which is not what you think. It's horny in the middle yeah. of the pandemic. <laughs> I get. I get okay. Oh, yeah. uh, let's lay this. This uh, podcast is akin to I saw the devil, and that it was very, very sloppy and very, very violent. Uh, thanks for listening <laughs> to Ghost Party Radio. Uh, we have officially seen the devil. Bye. 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 That's a 10.